0: hey, stop being so hard on yourself. And I have a mentor that says this. (laughs) He goes, hey, don't make fun of me. That's my job.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Love
2: it. Power to Live More with Joe Dodds.
1: Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast. All about productivity, organization, well-being, energy, and resilience.
2: My name is Ellie Dodds and I'm co-presenter. Today, Joe's interviewing Tommy Breedlove. Joe found Tommy through a podcast guest directory. She gets an email with potential guests every week, but rarely contacts any of them. But on this occasion, Tommy's profile was really compelling and here we are. Tommy is a featured speaker, writer and coach. He's the author of the upcoming book, From Pawn to King. His main goal is to provide you with the wisdom and simple tools to rediscover your brilliance as a human, achieving meaning and significance in life. Find balance, peace, less stress and true happiness without compromising your financial or professional success. His mission in life is to empower humans with the tools and skills to become the person we've always dreamed of being. His experience has led him to found Choose Goodness, Movement encouraging individuals and business organisations to search for unmet human needs that create transformational impact on themselves, their business, and society at large. Both Tommy and Choose Goodness provide both the rational and emotional perspectives to the strategic and financial decision making process. Back to studio! Today I'm interviewing
1: Tommy Breedlove of Choose Goodness. Welcome, Tommy, thanks for joining me.
0: Hey, Joe. Good morning. I guess it's good afternoon over there. It's nice to hear from you. <laughs> Our
1: listeners won't know. They'll be listening at whatever time of day, won't they? So <laughs> this is true. it'll be this fine. Is true. So I'm so pleased to have you uh, here. Um somebody else from outside of the UK. So tell us a bit more about who you are, uh, what you do and crucially where you do it.
0: Uh, where I do it. So I, am, I do it everywhere. So I have clients all over the globe, which is really cool. You know, now with the technology that we have, especially the video technology, I represent people from all over the world. But when I'm not traveling, I'm based here in Atlanta, Georgia, which is in the Southeast United States, a very warm part of the world. So it's very hot outside today. Um, I am a pre- premier life and business coach. Um, I also am a featured keynote speaker and a writer. But before that, I spent 20 years as a large firm financial consultant in the financial world, the public accounting world, and was a a senior partner and a member of the board of directors of a large firm in the southeast United States. So I've had a complete career change. And so that's a little bit about me. And I'm also addicted to self-development growth being better than we were yesterday. I'm just really a studier of human, emotional, mental, physical in spiritual success, so I love this stuff. I live it. I breathe it. And so that's just a little bit about me.
1: And you're a perfect guest for this show. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so far, anyway. So far. <laughs> Let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> 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 so, um, so start by telling us why you do what you do. So where that change came from? It's a big shift from from corporate financial sort of big business into what you what you do now. Well, why did that change? And why do you do what you do now?
0: The why is because it almost cost me my life, and I, I can't even remotely sugarcoat that. I was 36 years old. I was a principal of a large financial consulting and public accounting firm. I had all the bells and whistles. I had the nice watch, the fancy car, designer suit, big office that literally looked down on the city of Atlanta, and I was miserable and i was wearing all these masks as a man you know i was that guy that ye who turns the lights off last wins the guy that wore the tough guy mask the can't ask for help mask that i'm important mask the arrogant mask and i was just not tommy Breedlove. and so how that manifested itself is yes i had financial success yes i had business prestige but my marriage was crumbling My friends were running outside of my life. I was working a gazillion hours. And if there's a checklist as 100 things not to do as a human being, I'd already checked off like 90 of them. And I was Mm self-destructing rapidly. And I thought I had lived the dream, right? You know, we we were so success-driven and ambition-driven that, you know, ultimately it almost cost me my life. And so what I decided to do is to double down on myself, invest in myself first, and make me my full-time job. And I went on this journey of physical, mental, and emotional growth and just made me my full-time job. And when I did that, the most miraculous thing started happening to me is I was promoted three times from principal to senior partner to international practice leader to becoming an owner owner of the firm and also being elected to the board director. So financial opportunities really started appearing in my life. And on the personal side, my marriage was the strongest it had ever been. My networks were growing. Friendships were growing. The opportunities I was getting to present at and speak at just kept growing and growing and growing just by being the person I was always meant to be. And so the switch happened when I made it to the board of directors. I knew within the first five minutes that I had to quit because this this career was no longer in my purpose, which is crazy. Here I am at the mountaintop and I'm like, oh, God, now I got to quit. (laughs) <laughs> which from a salary standpoint at the time looked like that was a really dumb, you know, because we were making a lot of money. But at the, at the end of the day, I knew it wasn't in my value system. I knew it was not my purpose. And this is no, not what I was put on this earth to do. But this, this business and life coaching business fell in my lap because all of these executive people who were ambitious, they're driven, um, but they were feeling like they didn't have fulfillment or happiness. They just knew there was something more. That something was missing out of their life. And they're like, you completely transform your life. Teach me how to do it. And so that's how it all started. And now I speak about it. I I coach business and life. It's just this amazing transition. But the reason I do it is because, A, it keeps me on the track. B, I'm a scientist at this stuff. I'm a real craftsman. But I have to do it in order to live the life that I want to live so that then I can go teach others to do it. So that's Mm -hmm. your answer, Joe.
1: Yeah, no, I love it. Thank you. So I'm interested in, was it a moment? So when you say it nearly cost you your life, was it a moment or was it a gradual change? And what what was that switch? Because it sounds uh, now, in retrospect, sort of the sensible thing to have done. <laughs> Obviously, it was <laughs> successful and, and you're in a much better place and all those other things. But, you know, lots of people end up in that situation, but, but end up in that situation. They, they don't change. What, what changed for you?
0: Well, I figured I just knew I, I feel like I'm in evolution three of my life. And here's it, it's really the reason people don't change is because change is very difficult and it takes massive courage and it takes a lot of work. And for the one percent who are willing to have the courage to make a change in their life and also who are willing to do the work, it's just like going to the gym. When you start working on your business success, your mindset shift, your emotional shift and your mental shift, it's a lot of work. You know, when you go to the gym, you just don't become healthy overnight. It takes time of running, lifting weights, cardio, whatever your thing is. And so I think the reason that people don't do it is, A, it takes courage. B, we put too much stock in what other people think. C, fear. Fear drives most human beings on Earth. And D, they just don't want to do the hard work to live the life of their dreams. And so that's the reason people don't do it. But for me, it literally, you know, everything in my life was crumbling because I put so much stock in what other people thought. I put so much stock in financial success and business success that I never took time for me. And until and this is a personal belief of mine, until you make you your full time job, you have to be the priority. Because you can't serve your businesses, your families, your communities, and whatever L roles you have, husband, wife, father, whatever it is, until you serve yourself first, you can't truly serve others. And let me, I'm going to go a little woo-woo on you. And until (laughs) you love yourself first, you can't love others unconditionally either. And Mm -hmm. so that's what I have to work on with these type A ambitious, you know, people is, and for me, it really did, literally, it was, um, it was literally a rock bottom moment. And I knew that I was not going to let, I I couldn't figure out why I was so insecure and so scared. And candidly, every human on earth feels this way. in at one point in time, they're like, what if they figure out, I really don't know what I'm doing. We all have that fear, right? That imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. But we also have fears around a lot of other things that are just completely not real and so I just wanted to figure out why I was so insecure, why I felt unworthy. Even when all of the successful quote shiny things were around, I still just didn't feel like I could ever be me. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to change. And I just I I just made a very courageous decision to take action. So
1: mm. and it's so topical at the moment as well, isn't it? As as you said, that that sort of mask, the 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 being a a macho sort of male in, in those macho environments. It's actually, there's a lot of talk, isn't there about how the world has changed and men need to change and that, you know, as, and women need to change, but, but differently and for different reasons. So, um,
0: Joe, I think it's, I think it's killing us, maybe mm -hmm. not literally, but deep down inside it's putting a hole in us. You know, we've got to be the tough guy, the funny guy, the cool guy, the powerful guy, the masculine guy. We never okay. can show emotion. And it, that is truly costing us our relationships. It's costing our leadership. It's costing our family lives. And it's complete nonsense at the end of the day.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So how do you now prioritize what you're doing in your work and and your life? So you talked before about, uh, you know, being the, the last person to leave the office and, and you know, how that was um, detrimentally affecting your, your personal life. How do you get that I was gonna say balance, and I hate that. I don't. I don't talk about work-life balance. I talk about work-life integration. So ignore that. <laughs> how do you get that? Yeah, integration? I think
0: work-life balance is nonsense. So
1: <laughs> good. <laughs> so how do you? I
0: integrate? really do. I think you just have to shift it. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, <laughs> yeah. Joe. I keep interrupting. Sorry, I'm, I'm with you on that, by the way.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you were about to say you have to keep shifting. That I, I. I can't. I think it was um, productivityist, and I can't think what his name is now. Who talked about how when you're in a car, you shift gears, you don't balance when you're driving, you you know, depending on what's going on around you, you go faster or slower and you have to shift gears to do that. And I, I think that's a really good analogy of, of, of what we, we do in our lives. So, so t- talk us through how, how that works for you.
0: So how it works for me is I live this stuff. Not only, it's kind of interesting. Not only am I a business and life coach and speaker, I also have a coach. Not only do I run mastermind groups, I'm in a mastermind group. So, I invest heavily in myself, my education and my growth. And so here's how I balance my time. And I I have this rule and and most people appreciate this rule for me, whether it's a business, a personal meeting, going to the, going to a show, whatever it might be. I, me and my wife ask this question, is it a hell? Yes. And if it's not a hell? Yes, we don't do it. So if the client is not a hell? Yes. If the meeting is not a hell? Yes. And you know, immediately in your gut, do I want to do this? And this is something I truly am passionate about. And if it's not, I just don't do it. So that's my first productivity tool that I have. And it's literally changed the shape of my businesses and relationships. And it's been amazing. So ask yourself in every decision, is this a, or is this a, and if it's a, to go do it. Right. But for me on a productivity side, every morning of every day, I spend between an hour to an hour and a half working on me. I read books, I write my journal, I meditate, I pray, I exercise, I walk my dog, and I also spend what I call 20 minutes in innovative time. And what that looks like for me is I I usually have a topic that I just sit on for 20 minutes or take a walk, and that's all I think about is that topic. And as things come up, I write them down or I uh, put them in my phone. I usually keep the phone away from me because that is a productivity killer. Mm -hmm. So I usually write them down, but I have what I call innovation time. That's so I can think about where I want my businesses to go, where I want my life to go, where I want my marriage to go or whatever you're quote working on. So every single day, the first hour and a half is for me, only me because I, I, again, I hate to sound like a broken record, but I honestly believe until you serve and love yourself, you can't truly serve. And I have a lot of, I sit on a lot of boards. um, And so I need to show up and I, and I, work with some very powerful type A personalities and I need to be completely present with them so that I can help them get through whatever business or personal issue they're going through. And so that's how I start my day. Um, and I, and again, I'm very dogmatic about when I meet with people, when I don't meet with people, I don't, it's got to be an absolute yes for me before I will do anything. And so but I also believe work-life balance, there's certain times that you need to focus more on your family. There's certain times you need to focus more on your businesses. And so you've got to be able to pivot, shift whatever you have to do at that time in order to get the balance. And so I don't know if balance is even the right word. Sometimes you just have to spend more time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I hope I answered your question. But that, that's how my biggest productivity tool from an emotional side, a mental side, a physical side and just a scheduling side and I am I am I have two or three people that also help me with my schedule and they know that I don't compromise this time. I don't compromise these times. Sometimes I have a creative day and then like Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday, it's all about clients, it's all about speaking, it's all about podcast. But the rest of the time I need to be working on my business and surrounding myself with other people that have better skills than I do in other things. And I outsource everything that I, it's not in my zone of genius. And so that's what I would recommend people do.
1: Mm-hmm. It's funny, the word that came up for me uh, listening to that, which I uh, was thinking about earlier, because as I explained before we came on, on air, I'm speaking at an online conference later. Um, and I, I'd been thinking about, you know, how I was going to position a, a couple of things. And, and it's about being intentional. I think that is such an important part of this, isn't it? You're, you're crafting what you do to suit, you know, what you want to do. And, you know, going back to that whole, um, uh, you know, get to live more thing that I I talk about, um, is, is about being intentional, isn't it? Uh,
0: hundred percent intentional. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: if you, and if you are, if you truly love what you're doing and you're working in your quote zone of brilliance or genius, it'll never feel like you're actually working. Mm -hmm. And so, because, I love this stuff that I do. I study it. I go to conferences. I have coaches. I read about it. Nonstop. I love this stuff. And I love teaching others about this stuff. And so when I'm working, it doesn't truly feel like work. But your word intentional, I am extremely intentional about what I do and don't do. And yeah. I, I'm, I come from the belief that one no is worth a thousand yeses. And so I'm really good at saying no. I'm really mm-hmm. good. I, I'm meeting with a brand new client on Friday and it's, it's not starting right. And you know, he wants to be able to cancel and anytime he wants, because quote, I have to get on a plane and it's a client emergency. Well, the truth is he's teaching his clients how to treat him. Yeah. And the truth is those emergencies 99 out of hundred times aren't true emergencies. And his time, he automatically is going in, well, my time is more important than your time. And I'm like, Nope, that is not the way it works. Mm -hmm. In fact, my and Tommy's time is not more important than his time. Right. And so we treat people how to intentionality and being able to say no. And the first conversation we're going to have is I'm going to set that boundary. And I want you to understand this. If you don't show, it goes against my retainer. And that's just to protect me is to protect my time and ultimately to teach him how to set his own boundaries. And so we'll see So intentionality about your schedule. And I'm a firm believer if you got rid of most of your clients and most of your network because they're just energy drains, you'll be so much more productive. So be intentional about who you work with too. And that's not arrogance. It's to protect yourself and so that you're happy. And Mm -hmm. why do you want to work with people that aren't in, you know, that don't share your same values or your same perspective? And so, yeah, that's really important in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and I absolutely agree. So let's talk a bit more sort of practically now. So how do you, get the things done that you need to do. It sounds like you have a, a really busy schedule. You've got people helping you. Uh, but when it comes to, you know, you've, you've spent your time in the morning, it's now time to, to do the things you need to do today, aside from, you know, scheduled podcasts and, and, you know, meetings and that sort of thing. How do you know what you need to do and how do you make sure you do it?
0: So I have this, this term, and I think as business owners, we, we struggle with this, and I've become very good at it. There's always, that, there's always this one thing, and there's, a, there's an entire book written about this. And I forgot that. I think it's Keller. He wrote this book yes. called The One Thing. It's an amazing book. And it really has affected me. And so, first of all, as business owners, even if you're a small business or a, you know, a giant business, we all have these God-given talents. And so, I know if I get out of my, that zone, if I, am, if I am not writing, coaching, or speaking, I'm losing. So if I'm if I'm minutia down an email or I'm out doing operations or I'm in our accounting or worried about our finances, I'm losing. And so I the first thing I do is make sure I have to stay a in what I'm good at and B what I enjoy doing. And I outsource every single thing else. I mean, all of it. And so I don't do anything but what I'm good at. And I surround myself with really good people to do the other. So that's one thing I do. And the second thing is I really do follow that philosophy of the one thing. For example, we're right in the middle of writing a book, and that's my one thing. So at least between one and three hours a day, I am working on that book. I am crafting the stories. I am interviewing folks. I'm talking to my ghostwriter. I'm editing. And so I make sure that I'm spending my time on the most important thing of my business. And then the rest of it is just you can do whatever you need to do. So that's, that's my biggest productivity tool, and that book really helped me. That perspective for me.
1: Mm-hmm. And you'd sort of cracked some of that already by the sound of it, because some of the philosophy is around what's the one thing, I can't remember what the quote is, that such that if you do it, you don't have to do something else or everything else or whatever. That's not it, That's obviously. directly from the book. <laughs> <laughs> it was That's much awesome. It's more articulate than me. <laughs> but, you know, the fact that, as you say, by outsourcing, you know a lot of what you do then that does free up that time and that space to do the things that only you can do and want to do and enjoy doing and are good at doing so uh, and I've applied
0: that to my relationships too my family and relationships and it's been amazing you know what's the one thing I can do for my wife that by doing nothing else it's going to you know make her happy make me happy and make our relationship work it's just this beautiful philosophy and it's so simple but yet it's so hard because when we start these businesses and I've got my hands in quite a few of them, we're starting them usually because we're really good at one thing and we're passionate about one thing. And then as mm-hmm. the business grows, we start dividing ourselves, worrying about financials, worrying about sales, worrying about um, operate, you know, whatever the thing is and we're, we get out of doing what we really meant to do in the first place. Yeah. And so we all did, we're all guilty of that.
1: Mm-hmm. And eventually,
0: just are constantly working in the business and not own the business. And so the one thing in ensuring that you're only working in your zone of genius. And Mm -hmm. so many of us think when we start these businesses that we're great leaders and then we realize we're not. And so we've got to realize that we've got to do the things that we're good at and that make us happy and then outsource all the rest. And sometimes that means even we need a CEO, you know, we need to hire a great human leader That can take us to the next level so that I can stay. That doesn't mean we we can, you know, sell our shares and not be the owners, but sometimes we need to even outsource leadership, and I I see it so many times, and so that's an important point as well.
1: Mm. So let's stick with this um, delegating outsourcing piece. When you were talking earlier about um, applying the one thing principle to your family, I thought you were outsourcing that as well.
0: No. <laughs> no,
1: I wasn't quite sure how that would I'm not against
0: the relationship side. No, no, we're all good. It's 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 me.
1: <laughs> so, so, so talk bring a, bit in more Brad more, it. <laughs> a bit more about how to go about that, because, you know, people talk about outsourcing. People talk about delegating and having people to support them and, you know, just doing the stuff that's that's their thing. But actually, it's, it's a really big transition for people, isn't it?
0: I think we all have the the problem with control and perfectionism. And and, at the end of the day, our businesses are our babies. And how much time, if you're like me, and I think like you, Joe, we're very ambitious driven people. But at the same time, we don't want to let that perfectionism, control and ambition, you know, take us out of our value systems and also, you know, anchor us down. And so I think the fear out of some people is not staying in their lane for lack of a better word and really concentrating on what they're good at comes down to perfection control. And if I don't do it, it's not going to get done. And -hmm. at the end of the day, it just slows your growth down. And so there's an element of trust. There's an element of letting go. And there's an element of belief, self belief in there that you have to have that. And you, if you hire people that are within your value system, that are really good at something you're not, it's not going to, it's only going to serve you. But it is a big shift to, you got to be able to let go. And once you see the power of concentrating on the most important thing for at least an hour to two hours a day, once you, once you really see the power in that, it's easier to understand why it's so important because your business will continue to grow. You will continue to flourish and you have people around you that help you. And that doesn't mean you can't get be involved in other things. It's just for a certain amount of time of the day, you have to be able to have the courage and let go and let go of your perfectionism and control th- so that you can do that. And so hmm. it's really important.
1: How helpful do you think it is having a, a corporate background in approaching this? Because I think when we're on our own and, and asking somebody to help us, quite often we ask them to help us by doing what we've been doing in the way we've been doing it. But when you're in a, sort of larger corporate environment and you recruit people, you tend to go for people with existing skills who may be better than you and will bring more to the party. I'm not sure we do that when we're uh, sort of entrepreneurs on our own and then sort of bringing people into the fold or am I being unfair?
0: No, I don't think you're being unfair. Um, So I sit on the board of the entrepreneurial board of a local university here and get to judge a lot of entrepreneurial competitions. And so I, I think I'm going to answer your question, so hold me to it. And I think here's the, here's the first answer. My corporate background only served me in so many ways because my job, I was a hired gun for companies to go in and tear apart their financials, tear apart their operations, their leadership, their, you know, from A to Z to either tell investors, private equity, the marketplace, banks. Um, that, hey, these people truly are doing what they're supposed to be doing, and B, their numbers are correct. Or I was a hired gun when someone wanted to buy a company. And so my job was literally to find the holes. And so one of the holes I always found was usually in the leadership and culture, and people. And so I'll just leave it at that. And so I think that really helped me to then see all of the goods and bads and uglies and and the triumphs of these companies. And some of these companies, my client base for so many years, the small end was about 10 million in revenue and the high end was about a billion in revenue. And so these were all sizes of companies and all shapes of companies. But I think it really did help me see what works, what doesn't work. But here, going to the entrepreneurial side, I think entrepreneurs are ambitious. I think they're passionate. I think they want to it's sexy, by the way, to be an entrepreneur. It just is right now. And so, but if you don't have a basic understanding of finance, of accounting, of customer discovery, sales, marketing, and you're not surrounding yourself with people that do, you're dead. And so that's the biggest mistake I see entrepreneurs make is they don't, they start building the walls of the house and the roof of the house without having a strong foundation. And so you have to have somebody on your team or hire somebody like a contractor to help you with these things. Because you, if you don't get your legal entity set up right, if you don't get your accounting system right, and you don't have a clue how to sell, you're dead. And you don't understand financials and profitability in the actual game of business. And I think that's what my 22 year financial career gave me is the the, the true skill and game of business. It's one thing to have a great product, but if you don't know how to make it profitable, you don't know how to sell it, you don't know how to create efficient operations, you're dead. And so and I'm not trying to be harsh, but I've seen it time and time and time again. And I get to judge these competitions where these these entrepreneurs want to raise money. And we say no. And it's because they don't have their acts together. And it's because also and I will go back to it. People think when they start a company, they have to be the CEO and founder and all these fancy titles. And just because you've created a great idea doesn't mean you're a great leader. And sometimes you need to step out of your own mm-hmm. way, i.e. Steve Jobs. Remember, he got fired from Apple because he just mm-hmm. wasn't a good leader. Mm-hmm. Get out of the way, get back to what you're really good at and surround yourself with people. And, it, and I do think entrepreneurs struggle with that. And so mm-hmm. and, and I'll get off my soapbox now. So I think I answered <laughs> your question, Joe.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think, I think so. And um, well, also, uh, we're probably a bit off topic, but uh, the um, you know, people who start organizations, the entrepreneurial sort of streak, as they start to grow it's quite hard to continue sort of managing in the same way because you need a different type of leader once you've got a bigger organization don't you so it's um 100%. yeah it's interesting okay let's let's talk a bit about your self-care because it's something that you've already talked about quite a lot um about some of your uh, morning uh, time spent on you um tell tell us a bit more about that how you keep healthy and how you make sure that you're fit them well to do the things you need to do.
0: Absolutely. And Joe, I have a one page for lack of a better word document. It is literally my life of significance plan. It's how I live my life and all of the things that I do in the morning for self care on it. It's a very short document. I don't mind sharing that with you or your audience. Um, yeah, and so right. I don't mind sharing that. It's a really, it's a really cool document. People seem to dig it and it's called my life of significance mm-hmm. plan. And it's one page. And it's about how to you know your power, your energy and where you're going. And so for my self-care, I have a rule 30 minutes or less of exercise because I can, I've got a little bit of an addictive personality. And I'll, I'll think that if I exercise an hour or an hour and a half, that I'm just going to knock off that extra five pounds, which is nonsense. And so <laughs> I, I limit myself to 30 minutes of exercise and it's good exercise. And it can be in all forms from yoga to CrossFit type exercises to going for a walk to anything. But I have 30 minutes or less of exercise. I do at least 20 minutes of meditation every day. Sometimes I do 40 minutes of meditation. I'll do one in the morning and one at night. Mm -hmm. And that's for me to exercise my mind and soul. And it also helps me to be proactive during the day and not reactive. And so I always want to be proactive. I don't want if someone cuts me off on the road or I get a bad email or I make a mistake, I don't want to react to that. I want to be proactive and it gets me quiet, it gets me present. Um, I think the most powerful thing about meditation is presence. And so when I'm talking to Joe Dodds, I'm only talking to Joe Dodds. I'm not thinking about the 40 other things I've got going on in the different companies. And I think being yeah. present. So that's why meditation is so important for me. Mm-hmm. And then I always read. um a couple of inspirational books i read some spiritual books from multiple traditions from buddhism to taoism to christianity to um hindu i mean i read the great spiritual text to kind of help me from a spiritual aspect i read um, i've got also some inspirational motivational books that i read every day and I'm, I'm talking about passages and so i do like 10 to 15 minutes of reading and these help me connect to a higher plane, they help me from an emotional standpoint, they help me from a mental standpoint, and it's always this ancient wisdom of how I wanna live my life and reminders. And the last part of my self-care is I probably read three to five books a month on business, on self-development, as well as I'm a, a nerd when it comes to reading about people that I look up to reading their biographies so that I can model them. And I also realize when I read these biographies, that these great men and women of history also struggled like the rest of us as human beings. And so it also puts it into perspective that, yes, they struggled as well. And yes, this human experience is hard, but all of them overcame something to be the great thing that they are. So, or became. And so that's, that's a little bit about my self-care.
1: Yeah. Lovely. And what about relaxation? It sounds quite a relaxing self-care process already. <laughs> what yeah, else amazing. do you do to, uh, to, to nature to
0: do- is my <laughs> church, man. I, mm-hmm. I have to be outside. I have to be outside. Um, mm-hmm. whether it's in uh, climbing a mountain and, or hiking, I love to hike. Um, I love to walk with my dog. Um, I like to be quiet. I'm not a big technology person. I, and, and that sounds crazy in the modern day, but I think Social media our news and phones in some way is killing us and it's also dividing us and it's making us angry. It's making us scared. And it also causes us to compare and compete. And by the way, our phones are designed to be addictive. So we got to be careful of that. So for me, relaxation is getting off the phone because I find myself looking at Instagram like, why am I not that pretty? Or why am I not doing that? And so I don't want to be comparing and competing with everybody else. I want to be in my space with my family and my friends. Mm -hmm. And so relaxation for me is I spend a lot of time um, with people who lift me up, who are very abundant minded, great people that relaxes me. Great conversations relax me. But the most important thing I need to make sure for me is to get out in nature in some form, whether it's a beach or a mountain and go hiking with my dog. And so that's where that relaxation comes in for me.
1: Mm, yeah lovely so it's interesting you're saying about the the social media and and so on I was was just thinking as you said that oh yesterday I had a thought about how we live in social and sort of uh, online information bubbles and I couldn't remember why I thought it and I've I've remembered now it was somebody was sharing somebody I, I know who um is pregnant and she was sharing this post about how hard it is to be a parent and said all this stuff and I, I, I rarely get into debates online I don't think it's very healthy or a good use of my time and people misinterpret <laughs> and all that sort of stuff Always. but I really felt compelled to respond and say I don't think this is helpful because there's such a, a bubble and this is just one example a bubble um, where everyone talks about how hard it is to be a parent and you know, there are undoubtedly hard times and, and, you know, you have challenges and everything else, but it's not hard all the time. <laughs> and, and yet that's the only message you hear apart from the odd, you know, Oh, it's lovely when this happens type scenario, but mostly the the ongoing conversation about being a parent is how difficult it is. And I, I just thought, Do you know what? That's all we hear. And it's, it's really unhealthy, I think.
0: Yeah. And I, th- and I think that's a good metaphor for life too, is,
1: yeah.
0: you know, it's all in your perspective I mean, in my whole movement of choose goodness is around the power of choice and you can choose to see parenting as difficult or you can see choose to see it as something Mm. miraculous. The same thing Mm. with life, the same thing with love and relationships and business. It's all a choice. Yes. And why are you know, and sometimes choice takes courage and it definitely takes confidence and consciousness. But if you choose to see the good in the world, you choose to see abundance instead of scarcity. You choose to see, Love instead of fear, your whole life will change. But by Mm -hmm. the way, that's easier said than done. And that's the stuff I'm talking about. It takes a lot of work to shift your perspectives because we all have these stories and life systems and cultures that tell us one thing. And we have to reprogram ourselves to not see the negative in the world, to not to always be competing, to not always be envious and scared and angry. We have to reprogram ourselves. And that's a lot of hard work. And Mm -hmm. that is my passion. And so I think you brought up a great point. It's all in how you choose to see the world. And if you're constantly in a state of anger, envy, jealousy, um, fear, and I think all of us as human beings are scared on some level, but if that's your norm, you've got to make the tough choice to change that norm. You've got to choose to take action and read a book, hire a coach, get out of your comfort zone. And honestly, and I got to be very serious here, stop giving a damn what everybody else thinks. It just doesn't matter. And so, yeah, I'll get off my soapbox now, but you're right. It's all a perspective thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So you made me think so hard now. I've forgotten what I was going to ask you next. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about that. Oh yes, I do know. I've remembered now. It was. Expand a bit about what Choose Goodness is about. You mentioned it um, just, just now. Uh, Tell us a bit more about what that is.
0: Yeah. So I feel, you know, and it Choose Goodness is a movement. And so the business that we've been talking about, me, the speaking and coaching, that is just a piece of the movement. We also have an educational aspect, but let, let me stay at the top. I don't want to talk about all the different companies underneath the movement. Let's talk about what the movement actually stands for. It's about making courageous, conscious, confident choices. And the only true power we have as human beings is the power of choice. That's the only true power we have. And it's a superpower. And like we just talked about, do you choose to be happy or do you choose to be sad? Do you choose to look at the world in an abundant mindset or a scarcity mindset? Do you choose to be loving or you choose to be fearful? And But it takes a, and there's a lot of education around making clear Conscious, because sometimes we make choices, we're, we're reactive and not proactive about our choices. And that means we're not making them from a conscious state, a present state, a, a loving state. And so it's all about clear, courageous and confident choices. And that's the first part of it. And goodness means something different to every person on Earth. And so goodness for us means that you're benefiting yourself or someone else or your community without harm. And so as long as your goodness doesn't oppress or suppress something or someone, if you're making confident choices in the name of goodness, i.e. your value systems that doesn't hurt someone else, that's what Choose Goodness is all about. And it's a, I think people just forget, you know, the one true power we have is choice. And you can even choose, and this is kind of crazy, even at the time of your death, do you choose to die with dignity or not? I mean, it's a choice, right? Right. And so it's just an interesting thing that we forget. And the whole movement is around reminding and educating and teaching people how your choices matter, how to make good choices, how to believe in yourself, respect yourself, love yourself, live in positive gratitude and live in the present moment. So that's what Choose Goodness is all about. I should record that. That was really good.
1: It was really good. I was thinking that very thing and I was thinking I need to introduce you to little Dodzy. the uh, co-host on the on this show because I, I keep telling her when she's in, in a bad mood and struppy that uh, her behavior is all the choice that she's making. <laughs> she gets all annoyed <laughs> with me. She doesn't want personal development coaching when she's in a strop. <laughs> Apparently, I don't think any of us well.
0: do. It's it's really hard. I, I I'm kind of I'm kind of with you with little Dotsy because sometimes and I I live this stuff, but you know sometimes life and people kick you in the face. And it's hard to live in a state of gratitude when you want to stab somebody. So I get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's very I saw, difficult
1: i saw something the other day. actually it was i can't remember it was somewhere where they were saying that um somebody had somebody had suggested that when people have anger issues they should count to 20 before they do something anyway it was like a proper um you know piece of advice that was being shoved out there and, and apparently the i don't know the sort of the the uk um uh, you know, group for for anger management or something was saying it was a stupid idea, blah, blah, blah. And it it made me laugh because when I was younger, I remember when I was about 12, I had a friend and we used to argue all the time. And we decided that we were going to next time we started getting almost to arguing, we were going to stop and count to, to 10 before we, um you know, carried on so that we could stop the argument. And I, I, I can imagine uh, you can guess what happened. So we start to argue and I go and I'm not counting to 10 <laughs> and stormed off. <laughs> That's awesome. That's
0: a choice, isn't it? I mean, that's where you were. But I tell you, that's a great metaphor for business as well, because we're going to have things that happen that are going to make us angry as leaders, as business owners, as executives and managers and employees. And this is where meditation has really changed my life. And if you can stop, breathe on it before you react and respond, especially with an email, a text or something that comes out of your mouth, Mm -hmm. it will literally change your your style, your leadership, how people see you, the self-respect you'll have for yourself and how other people respect you. Mm. And that's where meditation, I think that, you know, breathing or counting to 10, whatever, I don't care what it is, Mm. as long as it works, Mm. um, can really help you just to be more proactive. And it will really, really change the face of your business and your lives if you can learn how to do that. But sometimes it's not easy. I mean, we're human. We also need to lighten up on ourselves, right? Yeah. We're never gonna be perfect. I mean, we just gotta <laughs> lighten up a little bit too. So hey, we're yeah. gonna get mad. I still get mad. So, <laughs> so not as often though. Not as often.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so let's explore that further. What about if things don't go right? If you do have a, a, a bad day, do you stop and think and breathe and respond, or <laughs> do you deal with it in a different way?
0: <laughs> no, so if I've had a bad day, and we all have bad days in in the one thing that we have to realize as human beings is we're not in control. We think we're in control. We have no control, zero, none. And so we got to let that go. And We've also Mm got to let the perfectionism go. We've got to lighten up a little bit. Sometimes we make mistakes. Sometimes um, others make mistakes. Sometimes we make big mistakes. And so here's how I close out every day. And this is an exercise as well. And I'm not kidding. I actually do this. So this is not me being some weirdo is I actually, even when it's a tough day and even like a little dodsy or myself, I just want to go, you know, hit a wall or, you know, and, and I'm just using, I really don't go hit walls, but you know, you just had a really bad day and you want to be left alone. Uh, that's when it's most imperative for me before I close my eyes to think about five things that I'm grateful for from business to myself, to the fact that I just have air in my lungs to the fact that I get to try again tomorrow, it's just puts you in a place of thinking of, of of being grateful for all the things that you truly have. Mm -hmm. And so I do that. And I also have this pretty powerful forgiveness exercise that I do to get, forgive myself and to forgive others. And it really, before you close your eyes at night, puts you in a very positive state of mind. It helps with your dreams. It helps you to sleep and it gets you back into a productive, positive state of, a, the present moment, B, gratitude, and C, forgiveness. And we've all got things that we've done and regret, and it could have been in that day or it could have been in the past, and we've all had things done to us. And the most powerful practices in wor- the world are gratitude and forgiveness. And so mm-hmm. I do that before I close my eyes. And sometimes my wife and I do it together, and that's that sounds a little foo-foo and woo-woo and maybe too much for folks. But if you can get to that place with your significant other, you're winning. And mm-hmm. it's amazing when you do it together. So that's that's how I handle bad days.
1: Mm, i think that's a really um good process to to think about trying to include in some way because so many people uh worry when they're trying to get to sleep and then that you know has all sorts of other implications around not sleeping properly and all that sort of thing as well so actually intentionally to go back to that word again choosing to use that word again um you know to 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 do something
0: choice it really is
1: yeah, that stops you doing that, I think, is, is really, really great. So, so what about a day where you end the day knowing that you've had the chance to live more? And that's where I say where you've got to do more of the things that you want to do and less of the stuff that you feel you should do or you have to do. What have you done?
0: Well, first of all, I don't. I, I think we should all take the, world, the word should out of our shoulds or the the, yeah. the bullshit rules of society. And anytime yeah. the word should, we're using it to ourselves or someone else. That's someone shaming us. So that's the first thing I would do is that I'm winning if I don't use the word should. Love it. yeah And here's what I know if I, <clears throat> regardless of where I'm at, the things that I've done is I know I've done my best that day. I know I've given it all to my relationship. I know I've given it all to myself and I know I've given it all to my businesses. And that could be different levels of giving it all at every day. I know that I didn't let my schedule get out of control. I know I didn't let the thoughts, opinions, and nonsense of the other humans getting my way. That's how I know I've lived more that day, is I've stayed in my zone of genius. I've not let others influence me negatively because humans are humans, and humans do human things. But I don't let the opinions, thoughts, and actions of others ruin my day or affect my day. And that I, in some way, have been present and loving to myself and to my family and my friends. That's how I've lived more. And sometimes mm-hmm. that looks different every day. I mean, we've got to lighten up on ourselves, too. Sometimes we're sometimes we're going to be running at 25%. I mean, you said some really powerful things, Joe, to me when we were introducing ourselves today about your family. And those are really hard. You know, you went through some really tough times with your health and your, you went through some struggles with some deaths in your family. And that's very, very hard. And sometimes we're not going to be at our best because that stuff hurts. And I'm going through it right now. I've got two very sick parents. And did I live more today because I was on the phone with them or I gave effort or I went down there and saw them? And it's two hours away each way. But, you know, if we deconstruct our lives, how many how many spins do we get around the sun? We don't know. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: why are we going to die with regrets and not giving it our best and not investing in ourselves and loving ourselves? So that to me is living more. But living more to the best of your ability on that day and lightening up on ourselves. Cause we're so terribly hard on ourselves. Mm. Let's stop that. Lighten up. So I have literally, and this is, I hope you, I know I've, forgive me. I'm about to use a word here, but this is literally <laughs> me talking to me. Are you ready? Yeah. I literally have right next to my head, lighten up and don't be an asshole. And that's <laughs> me talking to me. That's not <laughs> me talking to anybody else. Cause I'm so hard on myself. I'm like, wait a minute hey, stop being so hard on yourself. And I have a mentor that says this. (laughs) He goes, hey, don't make fun of me. That's my job. (laughs) (laughs) And so we've got got to lighten up on ourselves too and and know that this Mm -hmm. is the human experience and we're not perfect. We're not these divine beings that we read about. We're just humans being humans and let's lighten Mm -hmm. up and have some fun and, and live life without regret. The first 36 of my years of my life were a disaster, Joe, and that would just be putting it mildly. And it was about fear and regret. And I was doing things outside of my value systems. And I just don't want to live that way anymore. You know, I'm going to do my best to be better than I was yesterday. And so that for me is living more.
1: Yeah, lovely. Really, really great answer. Thank you so much, Tommy. So how can people find out more about you, connect with you and find out more about Choose Goodness?
0: Yeah, so you can follow us on social media at There's That's easy to find. And then for me, my speaking and coaching in the upcoming books is all at TommyBreedLove.com. It's a pretty memorable name. It's actually a real name. People ask me, is that a real name? Yeah, it's a real name. Um, I think it comes over from the UK. I honestly think it's a British name. But um, you can also email me directly at Tommy at TommyBreedLove.com. And if you send me an email, I will send you my life of significance plan um, for you to have, and you can see how I live my life, um, how I aspire to live my life. And it actually has tactical to do's that I do each and every day. Um, and there's also some more theoretical stuff, like make sure that I'm giving 51% more than I receive. I mean, these are just life lessons that I live my life by and aspire to live my life by. So yeah, you can email me directly. I'll always respond within 24 or 48 hours. Um, I don't live on email. I just don't, And I'm a big fan of presence. And when I'm ever doing a podcast or I'm talking to a client or I'm taking a walk with a friend, I'm making sure that I'm with them. I put the phone down and I'll check email constantly. So I will respond to you within 24, 48 hours. Just know that I also live with extreme boundaries as well.
1: (laughs) That's a great ending. Thank you. Thanks, Tommy.
0: Yeah, you're very welcome. Be well.
1: All this information is available in the show notes. If you go to to powertolivemore.com forward slash, in this case, 78, then you'll find them there. And this week on the newsletter, I spoke about the tool called Slack. I don't know if you've come across it before. It's a social media platform that you use with groups of people, maybe within organisations or in a just a group generally, to communicate and take that communication off email I use it with some of my clients, and it works particularly well for geographically dispersed teams who need to keep in touch and collaborate. It integrates with many other applications to enable you to bring other strands of your communication and collaboration into one place. For example, at Engage for Success, we all have our tweets pulled in to a channel so that everyone in the team can see what's being tweeted on our behalf without having to be on or visit Twitter. And with another client, we have a help desk where customer queries come and these are then shared via a channel into Slack so that we can see them and pick them up quickly, especially the urgent ones. And you can also upload files to form a repository of useful content. The search is really good, which in my view is the test of a good data repository. And Slack works on a freeman model, so you can do a lot without needing to have a paid-for account. In fact, um, I don't have a paid-for account in either of those two cases. Currently, we're using the free version. So have a look, see if it might work for you for group communication. It's a great alternative to Facebook groups, particularly when you've got people who resolutely won't join Facebook and therefore can't join the group. So you just need to go to slack.com. And just a little plug for my newsletter, which is where I share the tool on a weekly basis, but also I share useful content that I've shared through the week, also a link to my podcast, a bit of news about what I might be up to and how I might be able to help you as well. If you want to get the newsletter, if you just go to my website, which is powertolivemore.com, on the right-hand side of the blog section, you'll find there's a um, sign-up form where you can download my five fundamentals checklist and that'll add you to the newsletter list or if you go into the start here option on the menu then you can download something there that um, might be of interest to you (laughs) Um, but at the same time join the newsletter so that you get my weekly update with that information for you so again the show notes for this show are at powertolivemore.com forward slash 78 and we look forward to speaking to you next time
2: use your power to live more